Suspicious Podcast. This is Kelly. And I'm Andy. And we still never figured out an intro. I let you have this one, though. Sorry, you're proud. I let you have it. Yeah. You didn't need the spotlight this time. No, I didn't. And I'm the Leo. You're not. I don't know what that means. I don't know. My friends tell me that I'm, I need the center of attention. I mean, that sounds about right, but I, I don't know. I wish I could get more into, like, what are they called? Like, star signs? Is that what it's called? Astrology? Yeah. My friends are really into it. Like, I don't get, like, the whole, okay, well, you're a Leo, but you're a Sagittarius rising and a Cancer. Like, what the? Apparently, like, like your son, your first sign is, like, I don't know if it's, like, how you present yourself. And then, like, your rising sign is, like, who you are. And then your moon's your emotions. What happened just in overall? <laughs> I don't know. But, like, it, like, I guess it all comes together. Because, like, I'm, I'm very, like... I've got a lot of fire in me. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know if anyone could clarify for us the whole astrological science. I'll, I'll bring one of my friends on. We'll yeah, well, whole... That's a whole other podcast for another time. Yeah. Another podcast idea. There Write it go. down. There we go. All right. So there's, there's, there's... There's some things going on and we have some... Yeah. Some things. Yeah. I, do you want to go first? Or do you want to go first? I was going to ask you if you want to go first. Oh, well, how polite. You Go ahead. You oh, take the you. stage. You take thank the stage you. today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So we talked about his brother, Aaron Carter. But now we're talking about R.I.P. R.I.P. To a real one. I hope the podcast heard that. I don't think it did. I fist bumped my chest with a piece, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, Nick Carter is in the news again. Not for not for good reasons. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. So a woman with cerebral palsy and autism came forward and stated that she was raped by Carter as a teenager. And this was on the Backstreet Boys tour bus back in 2001 after a show in Tacoma, Washington. My goodness. Is there anything to, like, confirm her claims or pride up? Well, <clears throat> apparently he picked her up out of, like, a line of autograph seekers. Oh. And invited her on the tour bus. Uh-huh. And then gave her a drink that was a mixture of cranberry juice and alcohol. And called it VIP juice. <laughs> Never drink the VIP Never juice. Drink, that just sounds like a bad Never idea. drink the VIP juice. And apparently she contracted HPV. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't know what HPV is, but it doesn't sound it's, very it's good. It's the human papillomavirus. What does that mean? Is it, is it sexually transmitted? Like, I don't even know. Yeah, it's sexually transmitted. You could get like genital warts or cervical cancer oh wow if you have like it's like a it's like a the gateway drugs of (laughs) diseases that's crazy (laughs) um during a press conference on thursday which was what the eighth sure yeah we'll go with it yeah the eighth uh (laughs) Um, she said, the last 21 years have been filled with pain, confusion, frustration, shame, and self-harm as that are a direct result of Nick Carter raping me. Poor girl. But, of course, Nick's team came forward and said, unfortunately for several years now, redacted name, has manipulated into thinking, into making false uh, allegations about Nick. And those allegations have never repeatedly, those allegations have changed repeatedly and materially over time. So they're saying she always comes out and people are manipulating her to do this, basically. But why? What would be the intentions? I mean, I guess because money. She's got she's got money, she's got a press conference now. Like but I, don't I know. mean I get it, but like at the same time, uh-huh. like I feel like Yeah. 
at the same time, like, people in power, like, a Backstreet Boy... Could definitely do something like that and get away with it. Exactly. But no criminal charges have been filed yet. And I think that was 21 years ago. Is there statute of limitations on that? I have no idea. Um, and the ABC, apparently had they are having a very Backstreet Holiday coming out. Oh, great. Um, canceled. Oh, it was canceled? Now, because of the suit. I mean, I feel a little salty because I did enjoy some Backstreet Boys. I was more of an NSYNC person myself. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we were a little I don't feel bit like there's too anything... young, but still, we were I don't think there was NSYNC. anything problematic with NSYNC, right? Other Except than... for that hair. <laughs> 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 Is Joey Fatone NSYNC? Joey Fatone is... <laughs> has my heart. Does he have, like, a hot dog place now? Uh, yeah, he owns a couple restaurants. I know he's in on impractical. Yes, but... like he has my heart. He is, he's a real one too. Oh, lovely. Well, um, Carter also faced similar allegations back in 2017. Oh yeah. From a, apparently a singer named Melissa Schumann. Um, isn't that? <laughs> no, no. Do you know what? Schumer. No, <laughs> no, no. Isn't that the lady that replaced Avril Lavigne? Like they say that she's. Not Avril Lavigne anymore, and she her name is Melissa. No, you never heard of that. Why are you Why are you caressing my leg? Because I feel like I need to get my point across. <laughs> um, um, I've heard of that, but I didn't know her name was Melissa. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they said their name is Melissa. Oh, okay. Um, and apparently he raped her 15 years prior to that. So 2002. Yeah, 2002. Apparently. Allegedly. Um, allegedly? Allegedly. Apparently. You remember the apparently kid? Yeah, I do. He's from around here. He is. Because I think it was Bloomsbury. Um, she said she sought to bring, Schumann, sought yeah. to bring charges against Carter, but we couldn't because the statute of limitation expired. So I assume for... It would probably be the same thing. It would yeah. be expired. And he denied allegations of this, saying they were... Melissa never expressed to me while we were together or at the time that anything was not consensual. We went on to record a song and perform together. I always have re- been respectful and supportive of Melissa, both personally and professionally. Huh. Weird. So. But he denies everything. I could see both sides. Yeah. I could see how, especially with this Melissa girl, maybe it would bring her a little bit more fame. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I could see how he could get away with it because he's who he is. Because he's named Carter. Yeah. And a Backstreet Boy. Yeah. Backstreet's back, all right. Oh. <laughs> so I have two updates on two of my previous cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about the the, um, the college student murders in Moscow, Idaho. Um, I just have one little thing I wanted to share, and that's that police are now looking for a white 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra. I always say Hyundai, and then I have to like correct myself knowing that that's not actually how you say it. Hyundai? Hyundai. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Hyundai Elantra. Um, it was determined that this car was in the area at the time that the murders took place and could potentially have um, critical information in the case, like the occupants um, could have seen something, could have been a part of the murder. Um, I think that they cleared like every other car that they saw on the street except for this one. Oh. So, interesting information to point out. Um, I also have an update. And the potential serial killer in I- I- Iowa. What's with all the? Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> um, this uh, was uh, the case that um, Lucy Study 
claimed that her dad had killed between 50 to 70 women over the course of many years and buried the bodies around his property. Um, yeah, so that was a hefty claim to make about your father. Hefty, 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 yeah. Um, police searched the property for three days, doing an excavation of where she claimed the bodies were. Um, police came up with nothing, no bodies, no evidence, nothing. So it looks like this was just a, a false claim. <gasps> no. Yeah, it's kind of sad. I mean, she still is She's like... She's got something wrong with her? I don't know. She still claims that it's it's true. And dad's dead, right? Dad's dead. And her sister claims that it's not true. But she's still persistent, but they haven't found anything to substantiate her claims. So hmm. we'll have to chalk that one up as a, as a loss. I also want to say, and we forgot to talk about it in the beginning, the beginning. Yeah. That um, Andy's child stole our microphones. Oh, yeah. My child stole our microphones, so we are back to not having microphones, and I am sick, so I sound like a I think we've terrible... got, like, what? This is our eighth episode, and you've been sick this whole time. Yeah, pretty much. And we've also gone through several microphones in eight episodes. Yeah. And it's not going well. Yeah. So if anyone has any microphone suggestions for us, Email send them our way. Swiss podcast. podcast. But what would I wear? <laughs> but what would I wear? That's it, I'm not going. <laughs> That's it, I'm not going. All right. Okay. So do you want to take over? Take the floor this morning? Okay, okay. I can do that. I can do that. Most certainly. Certainly. So my case begins with two individuals being released from prison and exonerated after 25 years of wrongful convictions. Ooh. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? Kinda. Um, these individuals were Daryl Lee Clark. I say Croc. Davy Crockett. Because the next guy's name is Kane. Oh, so kind of just. Yeah, it, yeah. Cross contaminated. Yeah, cross contaminated there. <laughs> there was a cross examination. <laughs> it just didn't go well. And Kane, Joshua, Story, who are. I said con- condicted. <laughs> Can you get yourself together today? <laughs> I wrote condicted, and I don't know what that means. Um, convicted with the murder of a friend, buying bowling. Brian Bowling, I really can't get it together. Who was 15 at the time of the quote-unquote murder. So how old would they have been? Like the same age? Clark and Story were 17 at the time of their arrest. Okay. So, assuming... 17. I'm guessing, but they were yeah. all around the same age is what I was getting at. This would make them about 42, 43 now. Okay. Um, so what got them exonerated, you ask? You didn't ask, but I'm saying you're asking in your head. Well, I've got a lot of questions and you're just jumping right into that. That was not my first question. Oh. My first question was, why did you quote the murder? I told you they got exonerated for it. Yeah, but is someone dead? Yeah. Oh, okay. But is it a murder? I thought that you... We're saying he wasn't dead. I thought this guy was going to come out of nowhere and be like, surprise, bitch. Like burn notice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> burn notice? Yeah. Was that on the CW? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> the CW needs to stop making its way into this podcast. No, I think that was like a USA. Yeah, USA. Definitely USA. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Um, so you asked me, you didn't ask, um, the work of the Georgia Innocence Project and an investigative podcast Ooh. called The Proof Podcast. Hi, so Proof shout Podcast. Shout out to them. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Woo! Heary, heary. One day we'll do some good work in the world other than yeah, talk like, shit on a podcast. Yeah, like maybe we'll actually investigate. 
But, like, their podcast is, like, each season is a new story. Yeah. And they're, like, investigating each little claim. That's Which cool. will be super fun. Yeah, but they we, probably got that. Got time they that. probably got that support money. <laughs> they got that support money. We don't have time for that. No, no, Maybe sorry. eventually. We'll get there. We'll get we'll there. there. Yeah. Keep listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, what happened to Brian? Yeah. I'd love to know. <laughs> I'll tell you. And I do go into how the podcast is involved because I would love to know. Yeah. Like, what happened? I do. Okay, love that. That's the story. Love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the story. <laughs> so, let's get to the bottom of this. On October 18th, 1996, before you and I were born. Yes. You, was mom pregnant with you? Maybe. Possibly. Probably not. Sort of. <laughs> She's born in July. Um, Brian Bowling and Kane's story were hanging out on a Friday night. You know, typical teens. Yeah. Friday night. In their hometown of Rome, Georgia. They decided to do something incredibly stupid. Oh, boy. You know, teenagers. Yeah. You know, when you're a teenager, you're absolutely invincible. Always. Nothing nothing bad can happen. I'm still invincible. No, you're not. You are the most, like, anxiety-filled person when it comes <laughs> to am. anything. Um, frontal lobe, not fully developed. Yeah. I mean, mine still isn't. Yeah. You're getting there. Yeah. Um, you know, teenagers scare the living shit out of me. That yeah. kind of shit. Yeah. Okay. So what they do? Yeah. There are lots of questions. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of questions today. Um... They decided to play Russian roulette. Oh, that's a very silly. That's silly. That's real silly. Yep, that's really silly, guys. Probably should not do that because you are playing with your lives. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I always wondered, like, people who play Russian roulette, like, where where do you think that's fun? And who's just like, yeah, let's do this. That sounds like a great idea. I really don't get it, though. Yeah, no, I don't get it either. Like, what? why? Let's ask them. Like, we can ask them now, I guess. Yeah. But, um... Bowling actually called his girlfriend. But there's only so there's only two guys involved right now, Brian and Kane. Right. So the where does the third guy come in? Find out. Okay, well I'm just clarifying. <clears throat> he I don't know how they got him involved. Like I do, but I'm, I, it, it boggles. Sense, it boggles. Yeah. It boggles. Um. So shortly, like before shit happened, Bowling called his girlfriend to tell her that Story brought over a gun. Okay. Kane story brought over a gun to play Russian with that. And, and his girlfriend was just like, oh, okay, have fun, dear. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, what? If that were my boyfriend, I'd be like, you dumb fucking shit. Right? Like, no. no. Like, that sounds like I'm a coming terrible over idea. right now. Like, I will come pick you up. So, shortly after this phone call, Brian fatally shot himself in the head while playing the game. Well, yeah, that's how the game works. Yeah. That's how the game works. Did he not know how the game works? Like, maybe with a Nerf gun. A Nerf gun would be funny. I've actually seen that. People do that. It's like a drinking game. Yeah. Like if you sh- if you shoot yourself with a Nerf gun, you have to drink. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see that. Not a real gun. Like. Just dumb. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Like a bullet to the brain. Yeah. All right. So. Um, story was originally charged with involuntary manslaughter because he brought over the gun. Okay. In the game, it's like it's kind of like the Conrad Roy situation. Like, if they willingly do it, are you responsible? Well, that's what I was just gonna say. He didn't shoot him. He didn't shoot him. But I guess he brought over the gun. So he wasn't. I mean, I guess it, you have to argue he was forced to play the game. I guess. Yeah, but they don't really go into that part. Yeah. 
They don't. Like, do they say why they convicted these people? Like, to begin with? Like, what was the reasoning? For the involuntary manslaughter, they don't go into. But because the it charges sounds very go silly to me. very high yeah. after this. Okay. Um, but the family was not happy with involuntary manslaughter charges. They wanted it to be a homicide. But he didn't shoot him. He shot himself. Yeah. There wasn't even a homicide, in my opinion, that took place. Uh-huh. And the uh, story was obviously stricken with survivor's guilt. Well, yeah. Um, but seven months after the initial arrest, police upgraded the charges to first-degree murder. Why? And brought in Daryl Lee Clark as a co-conspirator. How? There must have been some kind of evidence that they had. Yeah. Well, maybe. Okay. But, like, this is not even, like, about, like, the first-degree murder wasn't about, oh, he brought the gun or anything along those lines. What was it about? Like, I, that's what I was thinking at first was, like, the, the like, how do you even get manslaughter because, like, the yeah. man shot himself in the head. Yeah. I mean, they were 17. They didn't, shouldn't probably even have a gun. Yeah. Well, he, Brian was 15. But they found, quote-unquote, we'll get to the quote-unquote, witnesses Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> Although it sounded like the only, the only two that were hanging out were those two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But apparently they found her, like, they went back to Brian's bubble home. Yeah. And she just came up to them, apparently, and told her her story. And they just were like, yep, well, let's believe this girl that came out of the woodwork out of nowhere. Yep. Um. So, so what I have is they brought in more witnesses in the hunt for the murder that didn't exist. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, the first woman named Angela Blues testified that she was hosting a party. A party. A party. Party party. <laughs> party party. Where um, Story and Clark both attended a few months after the shooting. Okay. Which, so, I mean, I guess they weren't immediately arrested then. That's what I'm saying. It's like, if he was involuntary manslaughter, <laughs> like, if he was arrested for voluntary manslaughter, like, why is he out? I don't know. So, that, like, that didn't it, make sense to me. No, it didn't. Um, investigators claim the pair told her they had plotted a murder for bowling and used his girlfriend as a distraction. That he called his girlfriend and he was playing a Russian room that. Like, they were saying that they forced Brian to call his girlfriend and say that they were playing a But Russian what did his girlfriend room. say? Did he seem panicked on the phone? Did he seem... Didn't. Didn't say. Well, like, that's important information. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, I would argue that is very important information. They say the pair then put a pillow over Brian's head and shot him. But where does the, where's the pillow in the investigation? Exactly. Exactly. Where's the bullet pole pillow with the, with the, the blood on it? I mean, I could definitely feel I mean, it's how a, they would investigate it as a homicide at first. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a kid was shot in the head. Yeah, so yeah, I I think they could recreate it to see, you know, was he holding the gun when he killed himself or was he mm-hmm. shot? We do get into that some yeah. later, which doesn't make sense. I, st- I don't know how these two were convicted at all. Okay. Maybe manslaughter. We, I can't even back see and that, forth though. On that. We're back and forth on that. I mean, if you agreed to play I, Russian roulette, I you signed agree. up for the prize you got. I agree. I don't agree with that, but I can see it, you know. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but I could see. Yeah. Um, the motive, apparently, bowling too, knew too much about a prior theft that the pair committed. 
So we're going to kill someone because we stole bubblegum from a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> like you're 17. Like what what theft are you really committing that that is so high profile that you have to kill someone over it? And then the witness, Angela Blue, said that Clark admitted to her that um, he was there not late but didn't shoot him. Okay. So what was this theft? Yeah. A pack of gum from the gas station. <laughs> Investigators claim that both Clark and Story were apparently part of a gang called the Freebirds. Same. And like Leonard Skinner. I'm I as free I just picture like denim vests name. and it has like a Leonard Skinner like Skinner logo. Like, uh, yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. Um, and apparently one of their rules. This is like out of like a fucking movie. The Outsiders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently one of the rules was anyone who snitched to the police had to be executed. Snitches get stitches. So they were saying that Brian supposedly told the police about a theft containing a safe of more than $3,000. and that You're going to kill someone over $3,000? Yeah. And like there's no... Yeah, is there... I couldn't find any article on like this theft either. Is there evidence that Brian went to the police and was like, here? I know. Like, the, the articles, nothing I could find on that. But apparently he did. Apparently. Okay. okay. The other witness was Charlie, do you say Childers or Childers? Like Childers. Like Tyler? Childers. Childers. Um, he was a hearing and speech impaired man. So right there, it's like kind of not a great witness. Okay. Who was living at the bowling house at the time. I don't know the relation. No one said the relation. But he was living with Brian bowling. In his so family. were they at Brian's house when this all occurred? Yeah. He lived in like a trailer park in a mobile home. They were on. With parents? He's 15. Yeah. Okay. And this guy. And this guy. Okay. Don't know the relation. Okay. But they were on his bed when he shot himself. Okay. So maybe that's where they got the pillow thing. But like even if like. They were but what, where is the pillow? The pillow would yeah, have. Yeah. 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 Okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he was home in the next room at the time of the shooting, but he's hearing impaired. Okay. And speech impaired. Like, he, he's kind of mute, too. Okay. Um, investigators claim that Ch- Childers identified Clark from a photo lineup after reporting that he saw someone running through the backyard that night, but no one else at home saw it. Okay. And that could be totally unrelated, even. But I guess <coughs> he picked him out on a lineup. But Clark had a corroborated alibi that night. Okay. Now, two witnesses testified at the trial that he was home. Okay. But witnesses are unreliable. If they're family, they're obviously going to Yeah, I'd say like my kids. Yeah. And the two men were sentenced to life in prison. Life? Life in prison. That's a this. lot. Yeah. When? There's really no evidence. Yeah. I'm surprised the jury was able to convict on that. Yeah. Like, if I was on that jury, I'd be like, hold up. Like, Wait. It's, it's basically just, like, the battle of witnesses. Like, they have no physical evidence. Yeah, it's just kind of all circumstantial. All they have is, like, story even was like, hey, I was here. I brought the gun. He said that. He point break. Like, yeah. I brought the gun. Well, it probably was like, we decided to do this. Yeah. We are stupid. But Clark... There's no connection. He's like, uh, guys, what? Exactly. They must have had a terrible defense team. They must have had a terrible defense team. Yeah. Like, they must have literally found some guy who, I don't even know, off the street, 
I was like, yo, will you represent us? Yeah. So, like, yeah, they just had, it was basically witness testimonies. Yeah, crazy. Which is, but but Casey Anthony gets off, you know? Right. Um, so, in 2021, from 1996, well, the trial is 1998 through 2021. Okay. So, 23? 23? Hello. Yeah. The Proof Podcast, hosted by Jacinda Davis and... Susan Simpson decided to get to the bottom of the story. Ooh, females, we love that for them. We love that. We for love them. girl power. They decided it did not did not sit well with them. Yeah, it doesn't sit well with me either, girls. Let's talk about it. So they decided to look into the witnesses and see what actually happened here. Dun 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 dun. dun. This is kind of cool. Yeah. So first, Simpson and Davis approached Angela Bruce, like approached Am- Angela Bruce. Okay. To to find out her testimony. And she immediately recanted it. Wow. And explaining that she testified to protect her family. Why? We'll see. So it was revealed that she was coerced by investigators to give false information and testimony over the remarks that Stoney, story, I said Stoney, story and Clark made at a party. Okay. Police threatened that they would take away her children from her if she failed to comply with their demands. That's crazy. Oh, it gets worse. And <laughs> she said that investigators made threats towards her and approached her for sexual favors. What got? And threatened to call the Georgia Division of Family and Children's Services state office and take her children away. Wow. If she did not comply with this. I don't know how they found her. Yeah, how did they find her? They're just like, you know, does she even know them? I don't know. They said that she was just at a party with them. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, and then we get to, to Charlie. And, like, they, the podcasters were also, they didn't say who it was, but they were also saying they, were found, they have found another witness who corroborated Angela Bruce's fear of retaliation by the police. Okay. Um, and with the help of former, a former teacher of the children, a child of childers at the Georgia School for the Deaf, like, he used to go there because, obviously, he's hearing impaired and speech yeah. impaired. Um, they were able to get in contact with childers. Okay. Now, this is kind of fucked up because he's speech impaired, he's hearing impaired, and they have him testifying, but it didn't seem like they had any clue what was going on or told him what was going on. Okay. Because they discovered decades earlier in 1976, he witnessed an unrelated but similar shooting. Oh, he did? Yeah. And he was unable to separate the facts of the case from the 1996 death of Brian Bullock. So the police were just kind of... Yeah. And his testimony on the stand was about this crime. He thought it was about that crime. Oh. So they weren't like... Wow. Yeah. Okay. So they were confusing the poor guy. Yeah. Not about Clark and Story. He was testifying about the crime in 1976. Wow. So, yeah, like, they didn't... Because on cross-examination, Childers... Childers? I can't say his name. Described a black boy with black hair who had a wife. Okay. Because remember, he said Clark was running through the yard. Yeah. Now, Clark was white. He went by his middle name, Lee. He was white. He was unmarried because he was 17. Yeah. And he had brown hair. Oh. And he said... He gave police information about story, and then he didn't even know Daryl. He's like, I don't know who that is. 
So investigators faked the lineup. Wow. And Angela said the first, the same investigator that faked the lineup was yeah. the one who threatened her. Wow. Okay. They didn't say who this investigator was or anything like that. So do we but... know that? Do we do we find out? Yeah. That's so fucked up. That this guy, like, but imagine like all the other cases that he fucked up. Yeah. That he fudged. And where is this? Rome. Um, Rome, Georgia. Rome, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So like now I feel like we have to take like a look at all the other cases during this guy's time period of being there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Childers would explain to the podcasters that he didn't know what Clarker's story did or why they went to jail. Oh, wow. Like he didn't even know at this point in time why they were in jail. Yeah. Even though the story was there in the same house as him at the time of Brian Bowling's death. Yeah. No idea. That's crazy. Um, he said, obviously, he never saw them in the trailer park. Um, he even saw a picture of Story and said he'd never even saw him in the trailer park. So he didn't even know he was there that day. Wow. Um, and Clark said he never picked out of a photo lineup. So it was all just made up. They just never thought this guy would go against what they said. Yeah, because who's going to question him? Yeah. Are we ready for this next part? Probably not, but go on. No autopsy was performed on Bullying's body. Really? Like, if you thought it was... If you thought it was a murder. You would perform the autopsy. Exactly. But they didn't want it to prove that he was the one who held the gun and shot himself. Exactly. And they had the county coroner look at the body. Okay. So, um, well, not look at the body. They had the prosecution call the county coroner to testify about the body. After he never did an autopsy on you? Yeah. And the county coroner has no medical training. Yeah, it's an elected official, right? Yeah, it's just an elected guy. Like, I could go be a coroner. Yes. I would not want to, but... I would. I told you I want to find a body, but that's different. Um, and he told the jurors that the gun had to be a foot and a half... A foot to a foot and a half away from the body. Okay. When fired, because there were no powder burns on the body. Okay. And he had a gut feeling that it wasn't self-inflicted. He had a gut feeling. Yeah. I, yeah. Gut feelings usually do, uh, like, well this, in a court of law. America. Yeah. 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 He had a gut feeling. Gut feelings. That's that's um, that's some pretty solid evidence. I think so, at least. I don't know about you. Um, so, yeah. Gut feeling. Um, upon cross-examination, the fence noted that a lot of the coroner's testimony discussing blood spatter and markings on the body were actually consistent with self-inflicted shootings. <laughs> Which is what story told the police. Yeah, like it lines up and Um, this guy's talking out his ass. Yes, the prosecution actually brought in a neurosurgeon. No, the prosecution is Brian Bowling's family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so we're clear. And like his testimony turned out to be neutral. And it said that the bullets passed while unusual. A self-inflicted wound could not be ruled out. And it's important to note there was no, because he was arrested, Story was arrested right after the, like, initially. I don't know if he got out to go to that party or what. Yeah, like how it happened. I don't know if it was, like, bail or what, because it was just manslaughter. But there was no gunpowder residue on Story at all. Um, in conjunction with the Georgia Innocence Project, senior attorneys Christina Cribbs and accounting counsel Megan Hurley were able to convince the district attorney and a superior court judge that the evidence needed to be re-examined oh yeah no shit 
Um, and back to the podcasters, Davis told in an interview when she and Simpson started their investigation, they weren't expecting anything to come of it. But as they interviewed more people, it was totally clear that nothing was adding up. Yeah. Um, she said, it took us a long time to talk to both of those witnesses. Um, the podcast was almost happening as, as a real-time investigation. We finally found we were able to talk to those two witnesses. It solidified that both these guys were been wrongfully convicted. Wow. So, in September, that was, remember, they started the podcast in 2021. Okay. So, in September, Clark's attorneys, I'm assuming this September. They didn't say what September. Yeah, I would assume that this one then. Clark attorneys filed to challenge a wrongful conviction and asked for a new trial, citing new information which proved the conviction was based on false evidence and coercion. Okay. After re-examining the evidence, Clark was released from the Floyd County Jail on Thursday, December 8th. Woohoo! Um, Imagine being in jail for 25 years. Yeah. Over nothing. Over nothing. He was home. But like how, But even so, like, it's awesome that they got released and everything. But how do you restart your life? Exactly. You were 17 was, when you, you had, like, you had nothing. Now you have to start mm-hmm. over at 40-some years old. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, their whole lives are fucked up now. Yeah. The Rome Judicial Circuit or Circuit District Attorney's Office in Floyd County Superior Court Judge John Nedrick, Nedrick agreed that the conviction should be overturned and all underlying charges should be dismissed. Yeah. Um, story was released after accepting a plea deal for involuntary manslaughter. So he basically had to say, like... Yeah. That's crazy. So he still has... So, they said that he would have served a 10-year sentence. So, he went 15 years over. But, like, do they even, like, give them any compensation or anything? No, like, not in Georgia. We'll see that. Isn't that fucked up? Georgia doesn't have a clause like that. No. Um, he was, story was also exonerated on the murder charges. And the judge commented, obviously, there's been time served in full. Like, yeah. A little over. No shit. His conviction will be officially wiped from his record under Georgia's First Offender Act. Okay. Um, and it's like it's like really sad. Story said he was afraid to go to the fir- sleep the first night after he was released because he thought he'd wake up and it was all a dream. Oh, that's so sad. But like even then, they said that he would serve ten years for involuntary manslaughter. That's a lot. I feel. I think so. That's a lot. That's a real lot. Yeah. Because like. I think they're just trying to say that. So I was like. Oh, you would have done it anyway. You would have at least did 10 anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, But realistically, he might have not did 10. Yeah. Story said, it's surreal to say the least. I believe it's going to be great. One step at a time. I've never allowed my line to get locked up all those years. It's a good outlook. Yeah, definitely. I just, I I can't imagine starting over. Exactly. Um, Clark stated, you will never think something like that is going to happen to you. Never would I thought I would spend half my life in prison for something i didn't do yeah right yeah it's crazy to think about 17 yeah they were charged as adults yeah crazy um and georgia is one of the 12 states that does not have a statutory compensation law so they don't provide financial support for those wrongfully convicted but that's like another thing like with like reoffending and everything like what do you expect these people to do at least their records are clear. Yeah, but like least, what? But... but their names are all over the news. Exactly. 
you Google search his name, what comes up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's clear, but it's not clear. Mm -hmm. It'll never be clear. Yeah. Um, Clark is living with his family in Floyd County for the foreseeable future because he really just got out. Where else is he going to go? As he focused on readjusting to life outside of prison and rebuilding his life. Um, Story also moved back to Floyd County with plans to go back to school and get a job. Good. Um, it just sucks. Like every dream that they had as kids is yeah, taken away. Judge Needrack apologized on behalf of the state of Georgia and Floyd County. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That means so fucking much. Anyway, but we're not gonna go after these cops that fucked this all up. Yeah. And but Clark did say that really touched my heart because I've been living in corruption for so many years. It meant a lot for someone to acknowledge that it was wrong. It seems yeah, like they're fucking but, good guys, too. Yeah. Like... I mean, it's weird that they did play Russian roulette. Like, that's kind of like... But you're 17. What did your husband do at 17? Definitely did not play Russian roulette. The Georgia Innocent Project will work support to help Clark transition back. Well, thank God. Connect him to resources. And they started a personal fundraiser called the Mighty Cause Platform. Open to the public for donations for Clark and his family. But they didn't say anything about the story. Yeah. I assume because he does have that manslaughter. But why did he get it? Wasn't he not even there? No, Clark wasn't there. Story was the friend that was with him. I don't even know Brian and Clark were friends. If (laughs) Brian and Clark knew each other. (laughs) Like, they even know each other. Story and Clark, did they know each other? We don't know. That's so crazy. Yeah, like, did they even know each other? Like, how did this guy get... Poor guy. Um, The exonerations of both men were the accumulation between... Clark's story, the defense scene, as well as the bowling family, which was willing, they are now willing to look objectively at the case. Okay. And not be like, I mean, I get it to a point. They're like, there's no way they would have been stupid enough to play Russian. Yeah, I get it. Like, as the family, you don't want to believe it, but like, but teenagers are stupid. They're now like, okay, like we could maybe. Well, thank fucking God. Like, you just ruined two people's lives. Like, I hope that makes you feel a little bit better. Um, podcaster davis said that she's still in shock and feels a huge amount of relief for both men like she yeah can't no that's believe, awesome like, that she basically the reason these men are living out the rest of their lives yeah she said in the end i also feel for brian bowling's family who have been incredibly gracious and supportive of well. it's really rare when you have the victim's family support the convictions being overturned yeah i mean yeah I get it. I get but it. But I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't it. get the involuntary manslaughter charge. No, me either. I still don't think that's enough. No. But either way. And this will be the first time in 25 years they will be home for Christmas. Oh, stop. Christmas, the snow's falling down. Christmas. I'm watching it fall. <laughs> Christmas, many people around. Baby, please come okay, home. Okay, that's enough of that. Thank you. Okay, so my story today is um, uh, like a cold case that's kind of being resolved. So we love it. Six six. What? <laughs> what did you just say to me? I was just saying it's exciting. I think it's six six six. I was like, what? <laughs> well, like the devil must have taken over my body and just started talking because I have no idea what came out of my mouth. I don't know either. And then like you didn't say anything after it. You just <laughs> I couldn't comprehend me. what I said either. <laughs> Okay, so my story is the boy in the box. <gasps> is the boy in the box? Never heard of it. 
You never heard of this? Oh my god, it's no, all over I the news. See, like, I did see like articles of like today, and it's kind of a somewhat local ish. What? It's from Philly. 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 Dilly dilly. So yeah, it's exciting. Remember um, the Road History Chicken guy? Yes, I do. Philly's a is its own. If you've never been, if you've never been to Philly, it's truly an experience. I went to Philly two weekends ago, and someone was stabbed <laughs> two streets away from where I was staying. It is an experience. But anyways, on February twenty fifth, nineteen fifty seven, a college student spotted a rabbit running into the bushes into the woods just oh, off of Susquehanna Road in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, this man knew that there were like animal traps in the area. So like out of curiosity, he like just followed the rabbit, which is like weird Follow to think about. The like I was writing this and I was like, whoa, like did that rabbit like want him to find this? I don't know. I went to the Jefferson. Is it Jefferson? No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, that's, they yeah. sing about Alice in Wonderland and yeah, following yeah, the rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if it was a white rabbit. Um, but what he found probably changed his life forever. He had found a young boy. In a box. Naked. Wrapped in a plaid blanket inside of a cardboard box. And oh. this boy was unfortunately dead. Not even like a nice box. Nope, just a cardboard box. Um, the boy appeared to be cleaned and had a fresh haircut. Like so fresh that clumps of hair from the haircut were still on his body. What? Yeah. That's Assumingly wild. probably an attempt to conceal his identity. If maybe this boy had long hair. Huh. Yeah. Um, that's, that's... His fingernails were also trimmed. And, like, my, my immediate mind went to, like, oh, well, maybe there was DNA under the fingernails. Yeah. That, but this is 1957. That's not. Nobody yeah. would think about that. Nobody no. would even. What's DNA? Yeah. <laughs> what is DNA? DNA. <laughs> um, he had also suffered. Do you know what it stands for? No, and I don't care. <laughs> um, he had also suffered um, extensive physical abuse before he had died. He had multiple bruises on his body. He seemed to be malnourished. Um, his body was covered in scars, um, some of which included surgical star- scars on his ankle, groin, and chin area. Like he had surgery. Yeah. So I brought this from up to RJ, doctor. and he yeah, from a medical doctor. I brought this up to RJ, and he thought maybe, maybe there was something. It's nineteen fifty-seven. Something physically wrong with the child, mm-hmm. and that's maybe why he was murdered. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's you got to think about the time period. Like, yeah, it's fair to assess. Um, it was determined that his cause of death was uh, blunt force trauma to the head. Um, basically, like the back of his head was. But if there's if he had these many surgeries, how was like the the story is like were they trying to find his murderers or they were trying to find who he was? Well, or both. both. Because like if there's that much surgeries, there's documentation somewhere, right? To 1957. Come on now. I'm I'm a healthcare administrator. I mean, now <laughs> those scars would be very helpful in identifying a body. But back then, Log it into Epic. Yeah. EHR. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, they determined that the boy had been between the ages of three and six years old. <gasps> he was that small. Yeah. I was expecting like, like a 10 year old. No. That doesn't make it any better, but like I didn't expect. Yeah. Three to six. Three to six years old. Um, it was clear that the boy had suffered like a lot of physical abuse during his life. Poor baby. Yeah. So during the investigation, the boy's fingerprints were taken, and police were very optimistic that he would easily be identified, being, you know, 
he's a little boy. Someone's missing their little boy. Um, but no one ever came forward with useful information. Uh, 400,000 flyers were distributed with a description of the boy and a picture of his likeness. Um, his fo- I actually found this very interesting. His photo was included with every gas bill in Philadelphia for like a time period. What do you mean? Gas like you got your gas bill in the mail, of, like how much you owed. Along with that was a picture of this boy. Like to help someone try to identify him. You should have just handed out Eagles games. I don't. It's 1957. Were the Eagles <laughs> even around? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Me either. Someone find out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one ever reported anything. Police um, combed the crime scene and came up with very uh, little evidence. Uh, the police combed the crime scene and came up with little, very little evidence. Uh, they found a man's blue corduroy cap, a child's scarf, and a man's handkerchief with the letter G in the corner. Handkerchief? But all these clues led to nothing so there was a handkerchief a scarf and a cap like a man's cap <laughs> sorry just the, the the cap instead of hat just makes me laugh like i'm thinking about like one of those like you know the one dad used to wear yeah well i'm assuming it's like that too like a page boy newsboy. yeah like yeah a, read all about it yeah stupid kids later read this with very little evidence, no identification, and no one coming forward, the case went cold for 65 years. Holy crap. Yeah. The little boy was originally buried in, in Potter's Fields and then was moved to Ivy Hill Cemetery in Cedarbrook, Philadelphia. Um, he was, you know, buried unnamed. Uh, his headstone was donated, bearing the world's America's Unknown Child. Oh. Yeah. Of course, being the nature of the case, many theories were developed. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's get into it. (laughs) One of these theories was the foster home theory. Uh, There was a foster home located approximately one and a half miles from where his body was found. Um, In 1960, a psychic had told investigators a description of a house. Oh, Um, God. We're bringing in the psychics now. We're bringing in the psychics. A 1960 psychic. I picture her like she is fabulous. Like she is like has like the the I, like fortune teller's cap yeah. on and she's oh, like draped the, the robe like me but in nineteen sixty. I'm expe- I mean I'm thinking like an old lady though I don't know why I don't know that I don't know really why saying. like have you seen Insidious is it yeah like Elise yeah that's who I'm picturing but like decked out <laughs> but like decked out uh, the psychic was brought to the site where the body was found and immediately led investigators to the foster home which was the one that was not far away. Mm-hmm. And it matched the description of the house that she told investigators about. Oh. Yeah. Um, one of the pl- employees Where from... the records? We'll get there. <gasps> one of the employees from the medical... Ex- <laughs> employees <laughs> from the medical examiner's office, uh, Remington Bristow, um, he really, like, took a... Uh, like, an interest in this case. And he worked tirely on this case until his death in 1993. Um, he actually had. And he a, was from the foster home, or he was a medical. He was a medical examiner. Okay, he, like okay, he worked at the medical okay, examiner's office. Got it, got it, got it. Um, he attended an estate sale for the foster home. Like I'm assuming, was the foster home like went out of business or whatever they do? I don't really <laughs> do know. Foster homes go out of business. I don't really know. I don't know. I'm assuming it's like <laughs> they were maybe like an like an orphanage oh. foster home kind of thing. And it's is like what I'm saying. Like a big. And they probably group home kind of thing. Yeah. Instead of just saying, hey, get it. Yeah. So he had attended an estate sale for this foster home and found that there was a 
a bassinet there from J.C. Penney's, like specifically from J.C. Penney's. <laughs> J.C. Penney's have been around that long? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, which is weird because the box the boy had fa- been found in was a cardboard box for a bassinet from J.C. Penney's. <gasps> I've always wanted to go on a state sale. Yeah, I me too. I we've find been some cool before. stuff. Uh, he also discovered blankets there that were similar to the one the boy was wrapped in. Hmm. Interesting. He's just a medical examiner. Yeah, I think he just like took a he's an interest. Fuck, yeah. yeah, he's like the proof podcast. Yeah, uh, Brist- Bristol came up with a theory that the boy had belonged to the stepdaughter of a man who ran the foster home. Okay. Uh, the boy, his theory was that the boy was hidden for a while, but then was disposed of, so that way his stepdaughter would not be exposed as an unwed mother. Uh, wait, wait, wait! So they're saying they hid the boy for three to six years. Yes. But he had surgeries. Yeah, that's true. Doesn't this is sense. just a theory. I just don't know. Like, what can you have wrong with you that you have a chin scar, an ankle scar? Like, are they connected? Are they not? Like, I, I don't know. know. Or are they? did they just think that they were? Surgery scars? Surgery scars sense. that maybe they weren't. Like, maybe someone in the family was medical. Yeah, you don't know. That's a good point. That's a good, that's a good theory. Uh, but police had, so he thought that, you know, it was the stepdaughter of this guy who owns the foster home. So remember, this guy owns the foster home, mm-hmm. his stepdaughter, who's who they think the mother would be. Uh, but police established that all the children in the foster home were accounted for, like all the children who lived there. Yeah, but if he was hidden. Exactly. Uh, but after they were like, oh, all the children are accounted for, they didn't really, the investigators didn't really touch it again. So the investigators made sure they did a head count. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, like, if he was hidden by the, like, if he was. Yeah. And, like, it all gets, it gets, it gets very weird. Um, but, yeah, he wouldn't have been accounted for if he was, especially if he was, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got But you. what's weird is in 1998, police interviewed this owner of this foster home again mm-hmm. um, and the stepdaughter mm-hmm. to find out that they were now married. <laughs> What in the Woody? What's the guy's name? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Woody, Woody, Woody. He's an old guy. Harrison? Is, Is that a person? Woody, Woody, Wood. I don't know. Would you remember me? <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, Woody so, Harrelson. Yeah, right. He's the old it director. Sounds like, it sounds like right. Yeah. But anyway, he married his stepdaughter. Yeah. No, he married his adoptive daughter. Even worse. So. You know, it kind of go speaks to was he the father of this baby, of his stepdaughter's baby, and that's why they hid it and oh, then disposed of it. That's something. Where's the mom? I don't know, but it's just crazy to think about that. Like that's a weird, weird little coincidence there. That's super weird. Like imagine, like that's like grooming. Yeah. Anyways, another theory was brought forward um, in February of two thousand two. So. We're talking a long stretch of time after this boy was found, like yeah. 2002. Yeah, we were alive in 2002. Um, this was by a woman named Martha. Martha, my dear? Martha. Martha had claimed that her abusive mother had purchased... A child. ...the boy from his parents. <gasps> I was right. <laughs> ...had purchased the boy from his parents in the summer of 1954. <laughs> what? Okay, so like 1954 was not like 1300 B.C., no. So, so, what are we doing purchasing children? I will say probably shady shit still occurred in the 1950s. I don't know. I don't know. 
But the boy was subjected to, according to Martha, extreme physical and sexual abuse for two and a half years. Martha, Martha, Martha. Which we find out that this timeline could kind of be pretty yeah, accurate. 1954. Uh, one evening, the boy vomited up his meal of baked beans. And was <laughs> it comes back. It did come back. <laughs> um, because of this, he was given a severe beating with his head slammed against the floor until he was semi-unconscious. He was then given a bath. And during this bath, he died. Um, these details match the information that was only known to police at the time, which was that the boy's uh, stomach contained remains of baked beans and his fingers were water wrinkled. Oh, yeah, that's something. Isn't that crazy? That's suspicious. That's uh, Hold on. Was Martha subjected to any abuse or just? Uh, she talks about her abusive mother. Like, that's how she like described her. So I would assume. Like she, in the article I read, it was only detailing about his abuse. Um, yeah, so Martha's mother had also cut the boy's distinctive long hair in an attempt to conceal his identity, which explains the haircut. Mm-hmm. After he died, she cut his hair so he wouldn't be identified. Um, Martha claimed that her mother forced her to assist with dumping the boy's body, and when they were preparing to move the body from the trunk of a car, um, of the car, a good Samaritan pulled alongside and asked if they needed help, like assuming there's probably car troubles or whatever. Mm. Um, her mother convinced them that they were fine and the mail drove off. Uh, but the story was corroborated um, when a confidential testimony was given by a mail witness in 1957. How did they find him? I think he came forward and said, I saw somebody like on the side of the road right around where he was. Oh, like when they found the body, yeah. he came forward. Yeah. Saying that he saw people on the side of the road around where he was dumped. And it was, I'm assuming he might have said like a woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to note that neighbors to Martha's family said that there never was a young boy who lived at the house. And that her claims were ridiculous. But like, yeah. I mean, but if he was abused was, right and he was malnourished and all this, was he able to, were, was he allowed to be outside? Yeah, because remember that, what was it, Castro, Gabriel, not Gabriel. There was the the guy in Ohio that had three women for a freaking decade. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. So was he allowed to be outside? Uh, Police also noted that Martha had a history of mental illness. So really, they dismissed her claims. Which, did she have mental illness because of the abuse she suffered? Exactly. I would think she she saw saw a little boy die? Exactly. The the baked beans. Did they raise baked beans in the public? No, at the, at the time that she came forward with her claims, this was not information that was released to the public. That was what people like police were holding close to the chest and that his fingers were water pruned. Yeah. But she said that. Isn't that crazy? Such a crazy coincidence. Maybe she's a psycho. Maybe. But again, they said, oh, you will have mental illness, so be gone. And just missed her claims and never really looked into it. Hmm. Other people theorize that maybe he was raised as a girl, explaining the, the, the haircut and attempt to conceal an identity. Um, and his eyebrows were styled in a way that little girls would have worn them. Because I'm thinking, like, it's 1957. So no one would have long hair. Yeah. Like, no, long hair wasn't choice. really. Yeah. So that is weird. Like, I, that, that just clicked in my brain. It's like, oh, he wouldn't have had long hair. Like, yeah. it would have always been short. Yeah, but 
So people also have that theory in their heads. Um, but we may not have to theorize for very much longer because on December 8th, just like your case oh, of shit. 2022, 65 years after the body was found, the boy was finally identified through DNA and genealogical databases. <gasps> yep. Who is he? His name was Joseph Augustus Zarelli. He was born on January 13th, 1953. He was only four years old when he was murdered. <gasps> son's almost four yeah what's weird is he never had a social security number issued to him and uh, well, i don't know how that would work in 1950s like i know when you're born now you immediately get one so who I was the social security when did that come about i don't know i thought it the was 40s yeah, that's what i thought so, so what did he have had one if he was born in the hospital i don't know or was I he born know. to an unwed mother and Concealed away and never got a social security number. Dun, dun, dun. Um, no missing persons report were ever filed for him either. Huh. Which is, he's four years old. Yeah, Someone like, is missing this child. They found the family, the parents. We'll get there. Okay. Um, his family resided in West Philadelphia near the area. In West Philadelphia. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Near the area of 61st and Market Streets during his life. Um, police have identified his parents. Uh-huh. But they have since passed away. Oh, well, yeah. Um, and they will not provide the public with their names. Why? Don't know. Does he have siblings? Um, Does he have... He has numerous siblings on both maternal and paternal sides. So they got divorced. Or they were unwed. Or they were unwed. Uh, police have their suspicions on who the killer could be, but declined to provide any details. So that couple, that couple, what was their last name? Um, I don't know their last name. Oh, so they didn't say no that it was Zarelli. Zarelli, no, they didn't say the people who own the foster, who owns the foster home. Um, but it's weird, weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did do my own research and I did yes. myself purchase ancestry. dot com for this. Yes, bitch. Because I needed to look up some records here. Um, and I did find a potential father and just. Note, this is a lot of speculation. We love speculation. He is dead, so I mean, there's not really we love the you can do dogs. about it anyways. But <laughs> um, Augustus J. Zarelli. <gasps> so his name is Augustus. The boy's middle name was Augustus. Augustus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He passed away in 2014 at age 87. So around the time of this boy's birth, he would have been in his 20s. Fair. Um, he married a woman named Cynthia in 1959. Which then they went on to have kids of their own, which well, could contribute he, to the siblings on both maternal and paternal sides. Uh-huh. Um, but did Augustus have Joseph before he met Cynthia with yeah, another woman? And they were unwed. That's, that's what, six years? Yeah. What can happen in six years? Yeah. Especially since, like, the police have said, like, siblings on both maternal and paternal sides, that would kind of lead me to believe that their parents, his parents were not together mm-hmm. and had separate lives after Joseph. Yeah. Um, I could not find a birth certificate for him, which kind of is the same as he doesn't have a social security number and nobody yeah. reported him missing. So it's only kind of speculation whether this is not this is his father or not. It could be even an uncle or Yeah. I mean they the police know exactly who his father yeah. is through DNA. Yeah, but doesn't mean just because he's not his father doesn't mean he's not related to him. And he they said his father is deceased. 
Well, obviously, he's probably if he no was alive. What, he's, he's, but he does have living living siblings. You didn't find anything on the mom. Um, I didn't. I think the mom is harder to pinpoint because of the last name. Because the last name, she could be she could be anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, because if they were it never could be married. it could be his wife Cynthia. Who knows? But if I'm they assuming, were never married, then yeah, it's hard if you don't have that piece of information yeah. that they're released that they're not releasing. Um, but it's just important to note, like a lot of times when they're wrapped in a blanket like he was, that you know, it is apparent because that's Yeah, like it's like Casey can't... Anthony, Kaylee was wrapped in a blanket. Mm. This boy was wrapped in a blanket, like Yeah, I don't get it. It's like a, a last kind of parental care kind of like, thing. Do you think they're not even knowing they're doing it? Yeah, I think there's some like kind of psychology behind it. But yeah, but he That's is finally wild. named. Um, but I do have a similar unsolved story <gasps> to go along with this. What? Yeah. Oh, you, you're joshing me. No. You 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 can't you pulled it out of the woodwork. You didn't even tell me about this. Yeah, I I wanted to bring this up because I feel like we solved his case and we should well they didn't solve it but we at least gave him my identification and hopefully we can do the same Joey. in this case. Yeah, hopefully we could do the same in this case. So, I'm this is on me. the I'm story ready. of Philly's The Girl in the Box. <gasps> Wait, what? Yeah. There's a girl in the box. On May 3rd, 1962. So, around the same freaking time Around the same time period. A barge worker had seen a wooden milk box floating down the Schuylkill River. At least she got a wooden box. Yeah. He had opened it and found a small, headless, badly decomposed body. So, no head. The medical examiner had determined that she was a young black girl around four to six years old, around the same age as Joseph. Uh, She was 40 inches tall and 45 pounds. Her naked body had been stuffed in the crate and set adrift between five five days to two months before she was found. Oh, no. X-rays revealed that her arms had been fractured before her death. Her feet and back were burned post-mortem. Post-mortem? Yeah. It's like they tried to burn the body? Sounds like it, yeah. Uh, the fourth finger on her right hand had been almost completely amputated, but was bandaged with gauze and tape. Almost like someone actually, like, gave a shit for a second. Like, do they, do they think that was done before she died? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had been decapitated by a sharp knife. Holy hell. Yeah. So, but everything was in the box. No, we don't have the head. Oh. We never find the head. Which is weird. It's probably in the school still. Yeah. Which is weird, though, because, like, again, the head is a a way to conceal identity. Just, like, maybe the way they cut Joseph's hair was an attempt to conceal his identity. Mm -hmm. Weird. But I don't even get that for Joseph, because if no one knew he existed, why are they cutting the hair? Maybe because someone might have recognized him if he had longer hair. Or, like, Like, seen him on the street if he had longer hair. Act like he was well-kept or something. Maybe. Um, inside the crate, her body had been wrapped in a clear blue plastic sheet and a white apron. What? Weird. Super weird. Yeah. But again, body is being wrapped and then put into the crate. Like a swaddle, like a baby. Kind of, yeah. The crate was weighed down with bricks. Um, during this time, no black girl was ever reported missing in the city. 
Um, no crime scene was identified and no head was ever found. So it was way down to bricks, but it didn't sink. Yeah, it didn't sink. So the bricks were in the grave. She was eventually buried in a cheap fiber fiberboard coffin and buried in Potter's Field, where at the time Joseph was also buried. Oh. Yeah. So they were buried somewhat near each other, but then he ended up being zoomed and moved. Mm-hmm. Um, what's crazy is in 2018, um, Aaron Kimberly, a forensic anthropologist from the University of Florida, attempted to re- exhume her remains in effort to maybe get some DNA and help, help to identify her. Mm-hmm. Um, during this process, they found, they you know were digging up plots and everything to find her. Um, they found that her plot was empty. What? Her plot was empty. There was no body where she was allegedly buried. <gasps> Why? What? Yeah. So they like dug up several pro- plots around, just thinking maybe it's the sixties, maybe they're off by whatever. Um, and they never found her body. So now, not only do we not have an identification for this little girl, we no longer have her body to try we to no get. We no longer it. have the little girl. We no longer have the little girl. Where the fuck is she? Exactly. And we can't find her if we don't have her. Yep. So this case, I feel like, needs a lot more attention than it has. And why did I, didn't I hear about this? Especially, you know. They now, lost a body. How do you? Yeah. Especially now with, like, Joseph being given identity. I think it's important that we now maybe shift our focus to this case of this little girl. Like, I don't get, do we think that whoever murdered her came back for the body? Like, they're like, you weren't supposed to find that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was 1962, so the odds that someone... It's in 2018. The odds that someone was still alive... Like, is it... Do, we don't think it's, like, a clerical error. Like, they buried her somewhere else. And just... Um. Well, they said, like, the, the, the records were pretty sloppy back then, but, like, it's she was buried in that potter's field somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they exhumed a lot of the spots where they thought she would have been. And there was also eight other... Uh, or seven other unidentified bodies that this um, anthropologist was working to identify as well. Mm. And they found all of them except for her. She was the only one they could not find. Like, I'm like, did she never go in? I don't know. Did she never go in or did someone go in and bury, dig her up? Yeah, how do we lose a body? Exactly, how do you lose a body? Of a little girl. Like, I just hope that we can find her and give her the proper... Where's her head? Burial. We don't know. Sweet I'm baby, assuming probably in the Schuylkill. Yeah. It's rough. It's a rough case. Oh, that's arguably rougher than the boy in the box. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the boy in the box is a little bit like we can breathe a sigh of relief because, you know, he's finally has a name and we can. He had a head. Yeah. I feel like I feel like they could potentially solve it. I think that they do really know who did it. But, but at this point, they're dead anyways. But then just come out and say it. I think I think that they are, are speculating that the parents did it. did it. But it's crazy to think about Martha's theory. It would fit the timeline. He was born in 1953. Or maybe, like, the parents, like, like say, gave him away. Like, maybe they're both true. Yeah. Because I did see an article, I don't know how true it is, that the siblings are denying that that they're his siblings. But DNA is proving it. 
So yeah. it sounds like the like, siblings they... must have never knew about him I mean, at all. So was he given into foster care? Was he sold to Martha's crazy mother? Maybe. What happened? Crazy. I just don't understand. I, I, I don't understand not. I mean, I get it because it doesn't matter now. I mean, not that it doesn't matter, but like we can't We still someone. want to have some justice. Yeah. And just say, you know, this case is closed for Joseph. Yeah. But I really do think we should turn our attention really to the girl in the box now. Yeah, definitely. We gave him an identity. Let's at least find her body at the very minimum. So then we can identify her. Because like, I don't know. Like maybe she is. Like what if hers isn't that her parents like? What if she's a missing baby? Yeah. And not from Philadelphia. Yeah. It very well could be that, like they said, no um, little like black girls were reported missing in the city, but someone is missing their baby somewhere. Yeah. And that's my thing with Joseph too. Like no one ever reported him missing, but. You're telling me not one little girl was missing in Philadelphia. That's what they said. That's hard to believe for me. That's what they said. I mean, I, I don't know what Philly was like back then, but now. I mean, now I feel like it's a lot different, a lot different, but yeah, that's my story of the box children. Holy crap. Yeah, that was a rough one. Sorry to really bring you guys down on the last. Mine was happy, kind of. Yeah, yours was kind of like a good, but I brought you right down. I brought you, well, Joseph, it's good that he was identified. Yes, it was definitely good that he was identified. But we're missing a whole fucking body since 2018. Was that four years ago? Yeah, and it's not really in the news. It's not really... We're missing a body. <laughs> like, we're we're guys, going to Philly tonight. <laughs> we might have to do an episode in Philadelphia now. We well, might. Let's go. We can go. It's two hours away for us. Right? We'll see. That would be fun. We're but going yeah. to go d- we're, get our shovels. We're going. <laughs> get our shovels. We will dig up Olive Potter's field. Hell yeah. I'd love to know the location of that. Like, it sounds like that's where they like primarily bury like unidentified victims. Which I'm assuming in Philadelphia now, there's probably a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like Back then, probably not, but now probably. Yeah, it's it's getting bad in Philly. Yeah. It's getting real bad. So, yeah. That's what we have for you guys today. <sighs> Sorry it. to leave you on that note. Kelly needs seconds. I need some time. <laughs> well, as always, follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Email us with pictures of your puppies to suspishpodcast at gmail.com i need a puppy right now kelly needs a puppy so send us your dogs yes all of them all right if your dog had puppies let me know peace out it's time for a suspicious podcast addendum <laughs> i forgot to include something and i really really wanted to include it in this episode because it was an update to our last episode um and that's the athena strained case and that was that, uh, unfortunately, what had happened to that case was that Tanner, the FedEx driver, mm-hmm. um, he had actually hit her with the truck on accident. Um, he panicked, put her in the truck because he just panicked and started driving away. Mm-hmm. Well, she was uninjured, really. She was she was okay. Like, she wasn't hurt. She wasn't killed at this time. Oh, yeah. She told him that she was going to tell her dad that he hit her with the car. And that's when he proceeded to strangle her and then threw her body into the woods. 
uh, what's even more heartbreaking is the reason the FedEx guy was there. Um, he was delivering her one of her Christmas presents, and it was a, uh, a bunch of Barbies. And that's the reason the FedEx guy was even at the house. Whoa. So she was alive. She was okay. She was alive. She was okay. Okay, until... what was the trouble he was going to get into? I don't know. I think that he just panicked. But then and she then kept panicking. She said she was going to tell her dad. And he lost it and strangled her. So it's crazy to think that she, if he just did the right thing mm-hmm. and called 911 like a normal person would do when you hit someone with your car, mm-hmm. she would be alive. Because if at all accounts, it doesn't sound like she sustained a lot of injuries during yeah. the, the hit with the, the, the truck. Like if she's conscious and saying, I'm going to tell my dad. Yeah. He could have just bumped her. Yeah. Yep. But like, my thought went to like, maybe he was thinking like, oh, I'm going to lose my job. They're for my kids. But like, your kids just lost their dad anyway. Yeah. If you just did the right thing, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal. I mean, it would have yeah. been a, de- a big deal. You lost but... your job and. That but a little stuff. girl would have been alive and he wouldn't be charged with murder right now. Yeah. And she would get to open her Barbies on Christmas morning with her parents. And be a Viking princess. And be a Viking princess. So I just thought that update was really important. I didn't want to leave it out. That is very important. But I hope he gets some prison justice. Me too. Because, like, there was no reason she had to die. Because I was going to say, before you said that she was alive, I was going to say, well, hitting her was the best case scenario in this situation. Like, yeah, but but then, then she was alive. Yeah, she at was all alive, accounts she was, she was alive. Yeah, yeah. But he recounts her saying, "I'm gonna tell my dad," and it set her him off. Holy shit! Which I hope now they go to court and her dad fucks him up. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope her dad fucks him up. That's crazy. I can't. I can't do that right now. Mm-hmm. After after the box stories, I can't. Yeah, sorry to layer that one out of you, too. All right, well, I just wanted to give that quick update because it was very important that I got that out there. Yes, it was. Till next week. Bye. Hi, y'all. It's Kelly here. I just want to say it was not Woody Harrelson who married his stepdaughter or adoptive daughter. It was Woody Allen. I just want to apologize to Woody Harrelson. We love you. We do not love Woody Allen. That is all. Have a good night. Bye.